0: now spreading freedom across the nation this
1: is the buck sexton show team buck welcome back to the hut our friend sean davis joins us now he is the co-founder of the federalist excellent site thefederalist.com to read all the latest there including sean's most recent pieces mr davis good to have you thank you for having me it's always a pleasure All right, man. A lot going on in the world today. First off, I was just speaking about the Clinton Global Initiative closing down. Wouldn't one think that now there'd be more time for fundraising, more time to focus on the needy children of the world, Sean, and yet all of a sudden less donations, less activity? It just doesn't add up. Isn't it strange how
0: this thing, which totally wasn't a blatant influence-peddling organization, shut down? right after its main reason for existing lost an election. Isn't that a weird coincidence?
1: It's very strange to me, and I wonder how people are going to explain this one, because some are going to raise this, because we remembered during the campaign being told that if we didn't support the fantastic work, the great work of the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton Global Initiative, uh, we were stealing food out of the mouths of hungry babies.
0: Well, yeah, so the, the thing is to anyone – this will come as a surprise to anyone who didn't uh, spend even a few minutes looking at the Clinton Foundation's financials, which is to say this will shock every single person in the political press corps. Um, if you actually look at the Clinton Foundation's finances, this was not a big charity doing charity work. That was actually a totally separate entity started years and years ago by uh, IRA magazine or a Clinton confidant. But if you look at the Clinton Foundation financials, Their biggest programs were the Clinton Global Initiative, which was basically all the prep and money it took to have this big, glitzy annual dinner. And then the second biggest uh, initiative of the the Clinton Foundation was maintaining Bill Clinton's presidential library in Little Rock. So the fact that their big influence peddling war pretty much dried up after Hillary uh, uh, lost is not a surprise at all to anyone who has any level of familiarity with the Clinton Foundation's finances.
1: What are your thoughts? So, yeah, I'm I'm with you 100% on all that. Put that in the book, everybody, or, you know, put it in the books or in your book if you're writing one. Uh, Sean, the latest with the back and forth between the intel community and Trump, I I see a a lot of conservatives that I like and who are smart – Seem to think that Trump is totally in the wrong here, that he's going way off the reservation by saying nasty things about – I just realized off the reservation is probably a microaggression. I shouldn't say that. (laughs) He's going going way uh, off script by attacking the intel community. Uh, I see the intel community – someone's leaking stuff and doing stuff that seems like political hackery to me, and I used to be in the intel community.
0: You're exactly right, and I'll defer to you on all that stuff because you have experiences I just don't have. But from an outsider looking in, there are kind of two stories going on, and one's not getting any real coverage. The first story is the substance. Oh, let's look at all these salacious rumors about Trump that appear to be coming from the intelligence community, and then let's all pretend they're correct, and then we can all have a freak out based on our assumption that the stuff that's totally anonymous and unsourced and unverified is true. So that's story number one. Story number two, which is not getting any coverage, and this is what's fascinating to me, is who is doing the leaking? Now, I remember during the Bush administration um, that a uh, columnist mentioned um, that a guy who was freelancing out in the Middle East trying to do WMD research was married to a CIA agent, and that ended up getting a Bush White House person uh, official uh, convicted, and he wasn't even the guy who leaked it. Uh, Now, let's look at what's happening now. We have uh, contents of intercepts, of phone intercepts that are being leaked. Um, That, to me, is a pretty big deal, and there seems to be a very, very small universe of people who that kind of information can come from. Uh, And if I were them, I'd either be getting a lawyer or I'd be hoping that January 20th never comes because they are going to be in huge trouble for illegally leaking once Donald Trump takes
1: office. I love that people act like I'm and this is on Twitter and I talked to this a little bit on Fox over the weekend and some of the reaction that I saw on the interwebs, which is you should never pay attention to, as you know, Sean, but it's hard (laughs) not to sometimes you want to just I just want to grab people say what is wrong with you Uh, that the phone call between Flynn and the Russian ambassador was even known to anyone in the press. Um, unless they, unless the media has a, a mole like a secretary who overheard Flynn calling the Russian ambo, the Russians certainly didn't leak that. Flynn certainly didn't leak that. This is a phone call from one party to another. They have the date and time information on it. You know enough, I know enough, anybody paying attention knows enough to know that that's the kind of information you only get from certain places, and if it came from those places... It is an absolutely egregious and wildly illegal leak of personal information.
0: That's right. And so what we know, so we we don't actually know anything about this phone call. All we know is that they talked, uh, which is totally unsurprising, seeing as how Flynn is going to be the national security advisor in about three days and 22 hours and 55 minutes, not that anyone's counting. So there, there's two ways they could have gotten this information. Either they wiretapped Flynn himself, which would have required a FISA warrant, and you're not even allowed to dis- disclose the existence of a FISA warrant, let alone the information collected uh, through it, or they had tapped the Russian ambassador. So let's just assume it's, it's the least crazy one of all and that they tapped the Russian ambassador. Well, you know what? That guy now knows exactly where the information came from, and that uh, source of signal intelligence is now – completely burned, just so somebody in the intelligence community, probably two, one of two or three people, uh, wanted a, a nasty little headliner article in the Washington Post to slam Trump. Uh, the, whoever did that deserves to be in prison. It, it's absurd, and we shouldn't tolerate that from anyone towards any politician, regardless of the party or ideology.
1: Now, let's talk a bit about the comments that Trump made yesterday, which, of course, it's still vague. But saying that there's going to be insurance that he wants insurance for everybody, do, is this? Do we think the Republicans are going to be able to keep it on the path here and actually get this done with Obamacare, or do you see cracks coming? And what what is this? What is this Trump insurance for everybody? What could that mean? Should people be concerned? Should conservatives be as concerned as I see some of them are? Or you think this is just look? Let's wait till we see what the Congress, Republican led Congress, comes up with, and let's not get ahead of ourselves.
0: Uh, So I will say having spent uh, a lot of time as a conservative working in uh, Republican congressional circles, conservatives should always be worried when Republican leadership and Republicans in Congress start thinking about doing stuff because there is a good chance they're going to do something that's not all that conservative. Um, When you combine just that general uh, awareness that people should have with the stuff Trump said during the campaign – I'm not going to be surprised at all if they don't even repeal a tiny fraction of Obamacare. Or maybe they'll repeal it, replace it with virtually the same stuff and brand it as their own thing. But I personally don't have any faith, based on what I've seen and heard and have experienced these people, that they're going to do anything remotely close to repealing the entirety of Obamacare.
1: What should they do? Are you for pull the whole thing out, root and branch, and step by step, put pieces back into place? What is the best outcome here?
0: So, so that's two questions there. And so, one is strategic and one is tactical. So, the strategic question is should they repeal the entire thing every last word? And I say, as someone uh, <clears throat> who has dealt with the law, both as a, you know, the head of a family and the owner of a business, it is a nightmare. It crushes small businesses. You know, my family's personal premiums have gone way up, our deductibles have gone way up, our choice has gone down, and our actual care has gotten worse. So I think without a doubt you have to repeal the whole thing and start over. So then we get to the second question, which is tactical. Uh, Should they repeal it all at once and then replace it all at once? Should they repeal it all at once and replace it bit by bit? Should they repeal it bit by bit? Uh, I could make good arguments for each of those. I don't think I have strong feelings either way. But if they're not committed to repealing the whole thing, I, I, I don't think it matters.
1: And now, Sean, I told you we talk about all the things, and whenever we get Sean Davis in the Freedom Hut, that's what we do. It's like uh, it's like PTI, but on matters of national security and politics instead of you know who throws the best spiral out on the field. So we got the feud between Trump and uh, and Lewis. What are your what are your thoughts on Representative Lewis's comments? That and by the way, do we have that audio? If we do, let me know. Um, uh, uh, let's let's play it for a second here. President elect as a legitimate president. You do not consider him a legitimate mm-hmm. president. Why is that? I,
0: I think the Russians participated in helping this man get elected mm-hmm. and they helped destroy the candidacy or Hillary Clinton.
1: Okay, so this uh, is I beyond to and we're gonna revisit this race. later in the show as well, uh, team. But I wanna show on your reaction to this. I, I and I know this is unpopular. I feel this way about John McCain too. That somebody did something heroic at one point in their life, yeah, that you can always refer to them as a hero for that heroism. It doesn't mean they can say whatever they want without criticism, and they're always right. I mean, I apply this to John McCain and John Lewis. I wouldn't have taken Trump's tact on this, but I could probably say that about everything every day. What do you think about this whole dust-up? To me, the fact that you got a a sitting member of Congress, I don't know who it is, saying the incoming president is illegitimate is, is foul play. Well,
0: gosh, I remember during a certain presidential uh, debate a couple months ago um, how the press and the Democratic establishment uh, reacted with horror at Trump's refusal to concede a race that hadn't even happened yet. We were told it was un-American, that it was treason, that it was traitorous, but that was only when they thought Hillary was going to win. So now that Hillary's lost and Trump won, um, all that goes out the window, and of course we have to say he's illegitimate because he's a Republican and Republicans aren't allowed to be – Uh, President when there's a Democrat who wants it Which brings us to John Lewis So I think without a doubt um, He is an American civil rights hero And and an icon What he did during the civil rights movement um, And what he endured Is remarkable and we should all respect him for that With that said, I don't really care What he has to say about uh, Donald Trump or Russia Because he would say any Republican president Is illegitimate Um, He was saying the same things roughly about McCain During the O.A. campaign Uh, I I honestly, I just don't care what
1: he thinks. Uh, And and for the record, this is what I feel. Everyone said with John McCain, we're talking about tax policy or McCain-Feingold. There was well, but he's a hero for what he did for his country. Yeah, we, of course, right? No one's trying. At least, no one that in this context of the conversation is trying to say anything about that. Just like with John Lewis, what he did was heroic, and that's untouchable, and that's his legacy. But that doesn't mean that now you get to say anything, and everyone goes, "Well, he was a civil rights hero, so he must be correct here." And it's interesting that McCain yeah, he, actually got criticism from Lewis because it's like, they're both heroes. What do we do?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, I think kind of the same about Marcus Luttrell, who's the Navy SEAL featured in Lone Survivor. He is an amazing human being, an amazing man and soldier, and he did incredible things. Um, but as much as I love Marcus, I don't care what he thinks about, like, uh, CO2 regs at EPA. And, like, you know, when,
1: when I don't think Miles Marcus Lone cares either, but Bush, I see your point, yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't care what Chris Kyle thought about the appropriate uh, uh, lowest tax bracket and whether we should have certain tax rates. I just don't care. Um, you know, kind of stick to what you know, stick to your expertise. Um, and, and when I see people, especially politicians of any stripe, trying to use uh, moral uh, capital that they gained decades ago in completely different circumstances and then use it to morally blackmail me now for not agreeing with their partisan political preferences, I, I have no patience for it, and I, I just don't care.
1: Last one for you, Sean, and we're speaking to Sean Davis, the co-founder of The Federalist. The Federalist is one of the sites that I can tell you all I have bookmarked on my browser. I think it's a great site, and Sean writes there, as do many of his editors and our friend Ben Dominich as well. Uh, uh, Sean, there's 20, I think, members of Congress skipping the inauguration. Big deal, not a big deal, being a bunch of whiners, up to them. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I don't care. I kind of don't care who goes. I don't care who doesn't go. Um, You know, if if they represent a district where everyone, you know, know, hates the guy who's doing it and their form of protest is not attending an inauguration where their presence is quite honestly pretty irrelevant and not at all consequential to the events, fine. If people want to go and, you know, get up close to them or sit behind them, fine. I I don't care. It's all political theater. It's pageantry. I wish they'd spend a little more time doing their jobs and a little less time trying to get coverage uh, by talking about what event they are or aren't going to go to.
1: What do you think about paring it down to just a swearing? In? I'm anti-presidential pageantry across the board. I want just a swearing-in ceremony, and that's it. I want uh, no more giant motorcades in D.C. like you're traveling through Mogadishu or Kabul or something. Uh, you know, no more State of the Union address. Just because I- I'm, I'm, I want to do away with a lot of this stuff.
0: Oh, I'm 100% on Team Buck. Let Let's start shrinking the office uh, down to what the uh, founders intended. And stop treating it like it's some, you know, gigantic celebrity with uh, rock stars and movie stars all the time coming in and out of the White House. Just just do your job. Do it quietly and then move on when you're done.
1: Sean Davis of the Fedos, everybody. He is at Sean, S-E-A-N-M-D-A-V on Twitter. Sean, great to have you. Sure. Come back soon. We'll talk to you. Always fun. Thank you, Buck. Team, we'll be back right after this break. Uh, Buck Sexton.
0: The Blaze Radio Network.
1: You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show. Sponsor this half-hour team is SilencerShop.com. Silencer makes shooting more fun. A silencer is a fantastic accessory to have for your firearm. It'll protect your hearing. It'll do all kinds of great things for you. Make the whole experience more enjoyable. So, Silencer Shop is the place to go. They offer the simplest experience for buying the most straightforward process you can get. And customers can trust Silencer Shop to handle the process of getting a silencer quickly and correctly since they submit more forms than anybody in the country by a huge margin. Uh, uh, Hunters often go without hearing protection because it's uncomfortable. A silencer from SilencerShop.com provides hearing protection without being uncomfortable or impacting your outdoor experience. So, please, team. Check it out, silencershop.com. Again, that is silencershop.com. Help make the world a quieter place. I was going to, like, start singing there for a second. I don't know why. All right, New York Times uh, reporting on this, and I'm seeing it just now, so pardon me as I'm taking in the details, but I want to just mention this to you. The FBI has arrested the wife of Omar Mateen, who was the Pulse nightclub shooter in Orlando, Florida. That horrific jihadist mass murder spree Uh, we are always told in these circumstances by the media well let's not jump to conclusions and we don't know if the family knew but there is a part of us I think that understands that especially when we're talking about a spouse someone who's around this individual who has radicalized they knew nothing they said nothing never got an inclination now of course in some cases I would bet that is true but we're always told that, and I know there's a part of me that when you've got one of these guys who has a long history of radical statements and he didn't ever say anything to his wife, well, the FBI has taken Nor Salman, the wife of Omar Mateen, into custody. Prosecutors have been thinking about uh, bringing charges against her for obstruction. Uh, investigators, according to New York Times here, interviewed Miss Salman for hours after the attack and came to believe that she was not telling the truth about her husband's plans to carry out the rampage. I can tell you this: if they are bringing charges against her, they've got her on something. They're not going to bring an. They're not, not going to bring an obstruction charge in this kind of a situation unless it's really clear. Uh, I would. I would wager at least. I don't know. It hasn't yet been released publicly what they think she said that was uh, untruthful or what she did what she hid from them but when you look at these situations whether it's what happened with the San Bernardino shooters out in California also jihadists you look at the Pulse nightclub shooting by Omar Mateen jihadist usually somebody knew something and knowing something and not saying anything is not necessarily a crime. This is where you get into a very interesting, nuanced, and dark area of the law. Dark in the sense of it's the dark part of human nature. How could anybody know that such a thing might be underway and not want to take immediate action to stave off this mass murder? Was it over 60 people gunned down, around 60 people gunned down in that nightclub. Many more, scores more, wounded. Uh, just shot like they were nothing by this psychopath acting on behalf of the Islamic state if the wife knew stuff and she lied to investigators they've got to make an example of her this isn't some little tax fraud case or something and you know it's her husband when we're talking mass murder jihadist terror attack on us soil if you know anything you got to tell the truth and you got to tell it right away and if you knew stuff and didn't say anything you better pray That the FBI and federal prosecutors don't get anything on you to charge because you're not going to get any mercy from them and you shouldn't. So we'll see what happens here. But uh, Pulse Nightclub shooting in the headlines once again because the wife is facing charges. All right, team, we've got a lot more show coming up. Be right back. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Team, you've heard of the different uh, stages of grief before, right? The five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. I think we've even mentioned this once before on the show. So at first, the Democrats were definitely in denial. Trump didn't win. And then there's been the rage. And they may be in the bargaining phase now. And depression simultaneously? Is that... I think they're trying to find some way to make themselves feel better about it. We had Meryl Streep stand up, got way too much attention, and, and I fell into the, the Streep trap, too, by talking to her, or talking about her, talking to her. hey, Meryl, what's up, let's hang. Didn't happen. Although it totally could, because we could talk about The Devil Wears Prada, which, yeah, some of you some of you gave me heat for saying that's a good movie, and you know what? That's fine, you're allowed to give me heat for that, but I just want you to know that I am honest with you even about Chick flicks that I watch and then do not hate, so that that is a thing that happens sometimes. I'm not all action movies all the time. I love Freedom in America, uh, but also sometimes, I just Meryl Streep just lights up that screen. Uh, but I talked about her too much, and everyone did. Now celebrities, I suppose there's a there should be some condition that we could describe that explains why it is that Hollywood actors actresses. I think I need to get clarity on this, that they all like to be called actors now because an actress sounds sort of the the it's the feminine version of it. So they don't want that. They want to just be act, they're all actors. There need to need be, no, be no gender description in that. And uh, you have celebrities now that including some who are supposed to be really cool. I mean, Amy, Amy Adams is probably top of the game right now for female leads. Uh, This movie Arrival, which I haven't seen but I've heard, is really good. And I've heard it from people that I trust. She's in this video. This bunch of celebrities have made a video. I'm going to play a little audio of it for you, where they are dressed down and singing badly, I will survive because they will survive the Trump presidency. Daily Mail here says, Liberal snowflake Hollywood stars come under fire for pathetic video. Which, which shows them singing, I will survive, about Trump's inauguration. You've got Emma Stone, Amy Adams, Natalie Portman, all these different celebrities. They are paid so much money for, yes, it's very hard to be a successful actor by the numbers, and a lot of them had a tough go before they got there. Not all of them. Some of them kind of uh, inherit or are... Some, in some way connected to the industry. Everyone wants to, oh, they all struggle so hard. A lot of them did. Not all of them did. But it's such a a lucky gig. Let's just call it what it is. It is such a lucky gig for somebody to get paid huge amounts of money, huge, to be in movies or on TV shows. And they are now taking time out of their day to make this video and sing terribly purposefully terribly they sound awful about how they will survive the trump inauguration uh, do we have some of that audio play just so people can hear how out you by my side
0: but then i spend so many
1: nights thinking how you did me wrong
0: and i grew strong And I learned how to get along And so you're back You have to march from outer space
1: I just walked in to find you here With that sad look upon your face I should have changed that stupid log I should have made you leave your key If I'd known for just one second You'd be back to bother me Go on now, go Walk out the door Just
0: turn around now Because you're not welcome anymore
1: Weren't you the one who tried to hurt me with goodbye? Did you think I'd crumble? Do
0: you think I'd lay down and die? No, oh, no, not I. I will survive. Oh, as long as I know how to love, I know I'll stay alive.
1: I've all got right, you all my life to It's fine that they want to sing I Will Survive mostly badly. Well, a couple of them seem to hit a few of the right notes there. Free country, right? They can do whatever they want, but you, you got to sing I Will Survive because of the Trump inauguration. It really, really bothers you that much. It hasn't even done anything yet. I sit around thinking to myself, what happens when there's real policy change, assuming that that happens? What happens, as an aside here, when there is not one but two vacancies on the Supreme Court, which may very well occur in Trump's first four years? I've heard some rumors, seen some rumors out there on the interwebs that Justice Anthony Kennedy could retire. So you would have the spot left open by the, uh, the sad sad passing of Justice Anthony Scalia and perhaps a retiring Justice Kennedy. They put two conservative jurists in those slots and that's going to be it for a long time. You will have solidified a right of center because we all know that the Supreme Court now is politicized. Even though you can't, you can't count on the conservatives on the Supreme Court to just do anything to get their favored policy outcome from their decisions, you absolutely can count on the right to do that. I'm sorry, the left, pardon me, the left to do that. They are solidly on the progressive side of things. No matter what they have to say in their decisions, they'll find a way to do it. Whereas for conservative jurists, yes, they will see things in a way that often upset progressives in the left, but they are not as dependable. They will not completely ignore the text of the law, for example, in order to get a preferred outcome in a decision that will affect policy. They're not going to legislate from the bench as reliably or at all. But just wait till that happens. And you have all these people who are freaking out ever since the day after Hillary lost. I was just thinking about this the other day. I'm bummed that I did not go, not because I wanted to be unkind and I wasn't going to dance around and do a little Buck Victory dance, which I should probably do on a Facebook Live one day because hashtag Buck Victory dance is amazing. Uh, I wasn't going to rub it in anyone's faces. I just wish I had gone over to the Hillary headquarters at the Javits Conventions, not the headquarters, but their election night gathering at the Javits Convention Center here in New York City, so that I could have seen just as a historical presence, uh, a historical background, have seen the faces and been around. It was was like a funeral in New York City for at least 24 hours after, and some would say it still is. Uh, I think a lot of people have forgotten. But the day after Trump beat Hillary, I was walking around the streets. I'm telling you, you could just feel it. And it's a weird thing when you're not even speaking to people on the street, but you can tell there's – it reminded me a little bit of the energy on the street after the blackout in new york city there was that huge blackout after hurricane sandy and i was in a, a hotel that i know i was in a hotel i was only in a hotel because my the apartment i was living in had so much mold it was like uninhabitable and uh, insurance was paying for me to stay in a hotel while they tried to fix it so then now now you know the reality it wasn't like oh well i was in a hotel eating caviar and making sure that my monocle didn't fall in, fall into my Uh, truffled scrambled eggs, although I do make truffled scrambled eggs for myself, which are amazing. Uh, It was because I I had a problem in my apartment I needed to get out. So the uh, next day after the big blackout happened, there were enormous wandering mobs of people on the street just trying to find a place to plug in their iPhones. And a lot of them were in a state of, of some shock afterwards, too, when your lights go out in your apartment and you're on the 20th floor and you got to walk down all the stairs and you're in darkness all around you it was it was a little harrowing there and as they made their way into areas that still had power uh, that you couldn't understand it was in daylight but the vibe on the street was really weird it was like that after hillary lost just imagine these actors are worried about how they will survive so to speak it's going to get a lot worse uh team we'll be back in a few
0: buck sexton the blaze radio network to the Buck Sexton Show only on the Blaze Radio network.
1: Well, team, a lot of people have been asking me, are, are you going to the inauguration? And uh, the answer is no. I can't abandon my post in the Freedom Hut. I can't just decide to up and leave the hut for a week or even a few days to go party with, well, Trump and Trump's peeps. Not exactly a star-studded celebrity celebrity-a-thon down there. I did, I will, I will admit this to you all now, I did get invited to some Obama inauguration parties, which I went to because I was a single man at the time in D.C., and the parties were supposed to be pretty good, and I remember there were even some very well-known music acts that performed at some of the parties in, in, in small venues. So, you know, I, I, I just want to come clean with all of you. I'm not going to pretend that when someone said, I think it was... Um, I don't know, I want to I say maybe Ludacris performed at one of them, but that's probably, you're going to Google that, and that's not true. It was, it was, it was, it was there was someone, maybe Nelly, I don't know. And I, I'm not trying to be vague, or I, I really don't remember, um, and not even because I was so inebriated, although that would have been fun too. Uh, it just, it was a, kind of a blur at that point in time. So I, I was down there and uh, partied a little bit with the squad, uh, Such as it is. Um, Definitely uh, enjoyed some time with my D.C. friends and it was very festive in D.C. Everybody was really excited about at least the parties, whether they were Democrats and Obama voters or not. It was quite a time to be in town. I was not around for Obama's victory, but I was there for the inauguration. And I, I remember the whole the whole city. Was completely a flutter. Everybody was so pumped up about the Obama presidency because he was going to fix everything. He was going to, you know, keep the keep the rise of the seas and all that sort of stuff. He's going to do all sorts of things. Uh, so that didn't happen. You know, he's going to stop the rise of the seas and let the planet heal. I'm trying to remember some good inauguration party stories for you. I don't really have any right now. Um, I, I, they would have to go back into some of the vault of Buck's private life to get anything even vaguely interesting. And I, I, it wasn't that good, obviously, because nothing really comes to mind. I bring all this up because the Trump inauguration, from what I see here, looks very much like it's going to have some nasty protests going on. They're going to have an anti-capitalist march there's going to be road blockades. There's going to be disruptions to inauguration balls. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that you didn't see at all with Obama. By the way, I don't remember. I don't remember any disruptions of any Obama. And I was in D.C. and went to some Obama events. Again, not because like, I've been a registered Republican for as long as I've been voting and all that stuff. Don't don't get confused. Uh, but there just were some good parties that I got free tickets to because I knew some people. Uh, I used to know people. Now I. No, no, I just know all of you. I just do radio every day. and I, I don't do the, the the sort of hip city Democrat things anymore. I just come into the Freedom Hut and hang out with my fellow patriots on the radio. I'm trying to think of something that was worthwhile from all that. But in any event, there are going to be blockades. Now that we're at the Trump inauguration, there are going to be blockades. And there's going to be all kinds of problems. Disru- a, a group calling itself, and hat tip the Daily Caller for this one, uh, hashtag Disrupt j 20 is very active in the planned protests for the inauguration, according to what we can see online here. And organizers for Disrupt J20 are planning to kick off the inauguration protests on January 18th with a, quote, gay dance party outside of Vice President-elect Mike Pence's Chevy Chase home. So they're going to people's homes to, you'd say, express themselves. But there's... A level of intimidation there, too. I, I don't think that it's appropriate to show up at someone's private home at all and harass them. Uh, I don't think that that's a mature thing to do. Do you have the legal right to stand out on the street? Well, I guess it depends on the laws of Chevy Chevy Chase. I've spent some time in Chevy Chase, very nice area. Oh, yeah, a lot, lots of very uh, well-heeled folks in Chevy Chase. It's pretty. Really close to D.C. too. D.C. is different from New York in that way. If you want to get to homes that have yards in New York, you have to drive. If you're in Manhattan, you've got to drive at least twenty or thirty minutes uh, before you tend to see any of that. In D.C., you can. You're one moment you're walking and you're in Georgetown, you're on Wisconsin Avenue, and you keep walking, and then all of a sudden there's houses with yards. Or I guess Georgetown has houses with yards too, but I, I mean it turns into real suburbs. Sorry, I digress. Uh, they're planning to be annoying on the inauguration. They're going to do all kinds of things to disrupt it. It's just mean. I know that this isn't the most astute political analysis you're going to hear on this subject, although a lot of people think their analysis on everything is astute. I'm just having a moment here where I get to tell you, why does everything have to be so nasty and so hateful all the time when it comes to anything having to do with Trump? The Trump people aren't allowed to have a party without there being protests and all this stuff. They've got four years, at least, to protest Trump at State of the Union addresses or all, all sorts of events. And the media's all in on this stuff. They can't just do it then. There's, forget about the honeymoon from the media before Trump even takes the presidency. Now we have to see that D.C. may turn into pandemonium. And people that are just trying to have a good time and go out and celebrate a bit, they're not allowed that. They're not allowed that. And the left is really relentless. This whole notion of protesting and how being a social justice warrior gives you a right to just be a giant pain in the butt all the time, this really is a disease of the leftist mind. This isn't something that is bipartisan. You don't see conservatives just showing up everywhere, all over the country, constantly trying to be a wet blanket on the other side's fun. We just don't have that same mentality. We don't have that same culture of protest and agitation and community organizer crap. So they're not even going to let folks who are out there in black tie and trying to go to events and just enjoy themselves. Nope, not going to. They're not going to stop for a moment and think maybe some of those people, that's really meaningful to them. Maybe they have trouble in their own lives and this is uh, something they've been looking forward to, a real moment to escape. No, they're going to block access. They're going to block traffic. They're going to cause problems. As if we didn't already know how much they hate Trump and everybody who supports him. All right, team. uh, Third hour coming up here in just a few minutes. 888-900-3393. I'll be right back.
0: The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.